Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Welcome to Connection Point Church Online. I'm Pastor Zach, Shell and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad that you joined us this morning as we continue our Better Together series with a message on Jesus and rest. Uh, one of the things I, I've regularly struggled with my, my whole life is to make rest a priority and a, and a regular rhythm in the way that I live my life. And part of this is simply how I'm wired. In uh, kindergarten, I figured out that after recess, we went in for nap time. So, I mean, what, what kid wants to go in for a nap? So, some kids do. I was not one of those kids. So I actually found a way to hide on the playground. Tunnel slide, great place to hide. Trees, you hide behind those. So I figured out the rhythm of about the time we'd go in, find a place to hide, and I would hang out on the recess, uh, the playground area, while everybody else went in for nap time. Obviously, that didn't last real long. You know, the, the teachers realized I was not there. I uh, talked to my parents. So even as a six-year-old... I struggled with rest. Uh, I remember as a kid hearing someone talk about their dad. So uh, my dad was a uh, vice president at a, a Bible college for some years, and so some college students were talking, and, and one of them talked about his dad as a workaholic. But I remember thinking as a kid, that was something to like idealize. <laughs> well, it's not. But at the same time, it's like hard work is, is a value. And, and so I just kind of, I struggled with rest. I always have. And, and I know we've got a lot of farmers in our congregation and farmers work hard. Uh, but whether you're a farmer, a university professor, a teacher, a stay at home mom, a factory worker or business owner, I would imagine we have people in our congregation that find it hard to make rest a priority. And what about you? You know, where do you find yourself? Uh, have you made rest a priority in your life? Is it one of the, the rhythms of your life? It turns out that scripture has a lot to say about rest. Jesus even models rest for us. And this is what we'd like to look at today as we continue our Better Together series is a message on Jesus and rest. So if you have your Bibles, <laughs> and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 as we talk about Jesus and rest this morning. Uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, start in verse 20. Eight, and then we'll actually get into chapter 12 as well through the first 14 verses because it really all ties together. It's really all about Jesus and Sabbath and what is Sabbath rest. So looking at verse 28, Jesus speaking here, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. 
And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him, he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it not lawful to do? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. These are the very words of God. So I shared a message in November on Jesus and end times. And in that message, we find from our passage in Matthew 24 that those who endure to the end will be saved. And so since sharing that message, we've been talking about those qualities or behaviors that lead to endurance in God's kingdom. Because I want you, <laughs> I want us to be among those who endure to the end. <clears throat> so we talked about Jesus and money. And we found that the way that we handle our financial resources reveals whether we trust God to secure our lives or if we're trying to do that work for ourselves. If you are good to live generous uh, to live a generous life, supporting the work of the local church, giving to those in need, giving to support the work of global missions. It shows that we trust God to secure our lives. If that's your pattern in the way that you handle resources. But if not, then what we're attempting to do is we're trying to do that work ourselves. We're trying to secure our own lives. And, and what it ultimately does is it leaves us stressed and anxious because in the end, we can't secure our lives. But yet Jesus wants to free us from anxious living. And so he invites us to live selflessly so that he can supply our needs. And then we talked about Jesus and community. That for us to endure to the end, it's vital that we live well in community. Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not me and my Jesus. It's we and our Jesus. And this is reinforced over and over through the New Testament. And so from this message, what we did is we encouraged people to sign up to be a part of a life group. And, and if you've not done that, I encourage you. I think we've added about a half dozen more life groups that you can sign up and be a part of. Different days of the week, different times, different geographic locations. Our heart is to make an opportunity for everyone to be able to be in a life group because we know community matters and that part of endurance involves community living. So I would encourage you to go to connectionpointchurch.org. There's life groups listed there. You can go to the Stay Connected uh, icon and, and select that, and you can find life groups to sign up and be a part of. And now today what we're going to do is continue looking at those characteristics that lead to endurance with that message on Jesus and rest. And the kinds of questions, here's what I'd like to answer this morning, is why is rest important? Uh, what kinds of examples do we have of Jesus and rest? And and how and when should we look to find rest? I think all of those would be helpful today. And so let's start with the first question. Why is rest important? Well, first of all, God rested. Uh, this is reading from Genesis chapter 2. It says that thus the heavens and earth were finished. First three verses in, in Genesis chapter 2. Heavens and earth. God had been creating the heavens and the earth and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested. 
from all his work that he had done in creation. So we find in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, that we were created in the image of God. So before God rests, he creates man and woman, and it's in his image, he says, that we were created. And so the essence of being in God's image is our ability, like God, to stop. We actually imitate God by stopping our work and resting. If we can stop for one day a week like him, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. Our human brain, our bodies, our spirits, our emotions are wired by God for the rhythm of work and rest in him. We're made for this. So what this means is when we don't stop, when we don't rest, we're operating outside of the natural rhythms that God created us for. So rest is important because God rested and we're made in his image. But rest is also important because rest acknowledges we have God-given limits. God has placed enormous limits around even the most gifted of us. Why? To keep us grounded, to keep us humble. But for some of us, our egos can become so inflated that it can be as though we want to be God ourselves. We may have been made in his image, but we are not God. And if a limitless God, consider this, if a limitless God models for us rest, I think it's important for us who have limits to make rest a priority as well. Here's the problem. We can have larger fantasies and wishes for ourselves than our real lives can support. And so we work frantically trying to do more than God ever intended. We, we burn out thinking that we can do more than we can. We get stressed and, and we blame others in the midst of it all. We run around frantically convinced that the world, whether it be our churches, our friends, our businesses, our children, that it'll stop if we stop. Which of course, this is untrue. So recognizing our limits It's actually part of spiritual growth. Rest is important because it allows us to accept our God-given limits. It helps us appreciate the limits that God has given us. And rest is important because rest yokes us to God himself. This is part of how Jesus lightens our load. Uh, This is from our passage this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does rest do? Rest helps us to stop trying to make our performance into a gift for God and to start appreciating the real gift of God himself. God doesn't want us to count our accomplishments as much as he wants us to have an encounter with him. I'll say that again. This is really important this morning. God doesn't want us to count our accomplishments as much as he wants us to have an encounter with him. He really does. This is the be still and know that I'm God stuff of spirituality. Rest. We talk a lot about guaranteed encounter on a Sunday morning, but rest is a place of guaranteed encounter. And in case you're unaware, you can be sure you have an idol in your life if you feel like you need to perform. I've heard some make the argument that of whom much is given, much is expected. But here's what I have found, is this is simply someone's excuse for not wanting to go through the process of grieving their limits and to tear down the idol of performance and achievement in their life. 
The only way to overcome idols in your life is to see that Jesus gives you freely what every other mini-God says that you can only get through your performance. This is the light yoke of Jesus. When he says, my yoke is light, because Jesus has already done the work. We don't need to perform for him. Jesus gives you through his blood what every other God demands from yours. Jesus comes to give you freely with his passion what every other God forces you to get through your performance. So hear me this morning. There is no need to produce or perform for God. You are simply meant to be a place for God to dwell. Your greatest gift, no matter how gifted you are, is not your gifts, but your surrendered yes to be a space for God. I wanna say that again, this is really important this morning. Your greatest gift, no matter how gifted you are, is not your gifts, but your surrendered yes to be a space for God to dwell. Rest is important because it allows you to be a space where God can dwell. So with an understanding of why rest is important, I wanna take a look at how Jesus models for us rest. So what kind of examples do we have of Jesus in rest? So when you look at the life of Jesus as recorded in the New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, books that we call the gospel, it seems he was unhurried, even though he was inundated by people and urgent needs. Events happen quickly, sometimes one after another. In Mark chapter one, just look at one example. He went from preaching in a synagogue to casting out a demon to healing a sick friend to ministering to the whole city that was gathered at his door at sundown. That was just one day. But here's what's important as you look at Mark chapter one. After this one day, we find recorded in the 35th verse of Mark chapter one, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. After ministering to others, and before pouring himself out again, Jesus left everyone and spent time with God. And this pattern we'll find repeated all throughout the Gospels. After John the Baptist's death, Jesus said to the disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus knew that when the disciples were physically and mentally exhausted, too busy even to attend to their own physical needs, it was time to withdraw and rest. Jesus understood the importance of balance, so he incorporated rhythms of rest into his life. Our passage from this morning in, in Matthew chapter 12 even lists Jesus, the Son of Man, as the Lord of the Sabbath. But it's important for us to understand what Sabbath was all about as we consider Sabbath rest. And Jesus did a lot to show us what it really was about. From our passage, we find the disciples, they're eating the heads of the grain. They were plucking them, it says. And we find Jesus, then he heals a man with a withered hand. But the Pharisees, they took issues with both of these actions. Why? Because remember, the Pharisees, they created fences within the fences. You know, so it's like Sabbath rest was one of those 10 commandments. But what they did to make sure that they never broke the Sabbath is then they put a fence inside the fence to say, well, here's what we're going to limit. You can only walk this far. You can only do these things. You can't do these things. So they created all of these rules that was really not the intention of God and Sabbath rest. They missed the point of Sabbath rest. Sabbath, I want you to hear this morning, it's all about finding wholeness, not just ceasing from work. 
And this is why Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. This is why he didn't think much about the disciples plucking heads of grain. It is the desire of our Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath, to lead us toward abundant living. That's what Sabbath is about. Because part of abundant living is finding rest. Here's the message translation. I love the translation of these verses. Jesus says, come to me, get away with me. This is, this is Sabbath rest. And I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. So he's saying, watch what I model. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'll show you how to take real rest. Watch how I do it, he says. And so then that kind of answers what's the next point here is how and when should we find rest? Well, so what does Jesus model for us? Because he says, watch me. We find that Jesus models for us three specific kinds of rests, spiritual, physical, and mental rest. That's, that's what he models for us. We already read how Jesus took time to be alone with God for spiritual rest. We knew he hear, needed to hear God's voice to understand God's direction and to rest in his presence. But we also find that Jesus sought physical rest. He fell asleep in a boat with the disciples in the middle of a storm. Even when others frantically wanted his help, Jesus was willing to take a nap. He knew when his body needed physical rest and he was unapologetic about taking it. If you are human, you need physical rest. But it seems we can feel almost ashamed of this need, right? Sleeping in can feel slothful, whereas pushing ourselves on with little sleep, it almost earns us a badge of honor. Naps, well, those seem irresponsible, even when we're exhausted. But the truth is, denying ourselves physical rest, this is not a virtue. It's actually a form of pride that we can keep going on our own strength and not rest. But what happens when we deny ourselves physical rest? We're more impatient. When we're tired, it's hard to enjoy those things that are right in front of us. We don't treasure people in the way that we should. And so this is why physical rest is so important. And the last form of rest that Jesus models for us is mental rest. He was okay to pull away and leave the crowds even when they desperately wanted him. There was still work to be done, people to be healed, demons to be cast out, lessons to be taught. But he still gets into a boat with the disciples to go to the other side of the Galilee, away from the multitudes. Other people's pressing needs and their desire for his presence did not drive the activity of Jesus. And I'll tell you, this is a hard one for me, and really a lot of pastors that I know. The urgent often drives my activity, and there are times I let others' demands to, uh, and felt needs determine what I do. I, I have found this in my life, because in my mind, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. It's all up to me. But you know what that sounds like? Pride. Nothing is ultimately up to me. Nothing is ultimately up to you. It's all up to God, and he's given you and me limits. And he doesn't need our exhausted, frenzied help to accomplish his purposes. He instead invites us to slow our pace, savor his gifts, and enjoy present moments without worrying about what is not done. So how do we do that? How do we find mental, 
physical and spiritual rest. Jesus models it for us. How do we find it? How do we schedule regular rhythms of rest? How do we experience that kind of rest? And here's what Jesus models. This is about the simplest definition I could give you. He models daily abiding for spiritual rest and weekly Sabbath for physical and mental rest. So rest is found in daily abiding and weekly Sabbath. That's about the simplest definition that I could give you. So let's talk about daily abiding. It's important that you take time daily to meditate on scripture and pray. Rest is not just about not doing certain things. It's also about doing the right things. If you want rest for your soul, it's important you yoke yourself to God by meditating on scripture and taking time to pray. This will help you to spend the rest of your day focused on the important instead of just the urgent. You can abide lots of different ways. Here's what's important, that you have unhurried time with Jesus. You need to hear that this morning. You need to have unhurried time with Jesus. That's what abiding is. It shouldn't be rushed. It should be intentional, purposeful, and meaningful. If you're a a mom or a dad with young children, it might be prayer while you're doing dishes or singing while you're putting your kids to sleep. Everybody's gonna have a different rhythm for abiding depending on your stage of life. Your daily abiding rhythm will be personal to you, but I'd encourage you that scripture and prayer be key components. If you're interested in reading the Bible through in a year, we always like to encourage people to take a look at the Read Scripture app. It has a great Bible reading plan that helps you understand the whole of the Bible, videos that are embedded with it, It gives a great understanding of scripture. So maybe that's something you look at this next year, the Read Scripture app. Daily abiding is vital for spiritual rest. And weekly Sabbath is important for physical and mental rest. On Sabbaths, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. God worked, we work. God rested, we are to rest. But let's admit it, stopping for a day is both radical and extremely difficult to do. It's a lifestyle change. Our culture knows nothing of setting aside a whole day to rest and delight in God. Personally, I'll tell you, this has been an ongoing conversation in our home. If I'm honest, I kind of considered it an optional extra, not something essential to discipleship. It is the only commandment in scripture you can break as a Christian and be applauded for it, right? Uh, For our family, it really has taken years now to reshape the way that we live our lives in such a way to even consider having a day a week for Sabbath rest and activities. So I want to be clear here. If you want to Sabbath, you'll have to start talking about it. You'll need to schedule it. You'll need to experiment with it and likely change the way you currently live your life. It won't happen in a week. It, it could take a year to reorient your life in such a way where a weekly Sabbath becomes possible. But can I also encourage you? I firmly believe that a weekly Sabbath is part of the incredible invitation from God to step into his best for our lives. I really do. It helps us show the world around us that we are deeply loved by God for who we are and not for what we do. So what does Sabbath rest look like? That would be a good question. So as you look at scripture, there's a couple of things we find. It's meant to be a regular rhythm of a 24-hour time block every seven days. 
It really can be any day of the week that works best for your schedule. Paul even talks about this in the New Testament. It doesn't have to be a Saturday or a Sunday. It's gonna be personal to you and what works for your schedule. But what's important is you select a time period that works for you and then you protect it. Again, our culture is not conducive to weekly Sabbath rest. Otherwise, here's, here's four foundational qualities for scriptural Sabbath. Here's what you find. Number one, we stop. There will always be something else to do, always. So on Sabbath, we embrace our limits. The world will continue working fine while we stop. We stop on Sabbaths because God is on the throne, assuring us the world will not fall apart if we cease our activities. Every Sabbath reminds us to be still and know that he is God and to stop worrying about tomorrow. That's what Sabbath rest does. The core spiritual issue is stopping. What's the issue? It involves trust. Will God take care of us and our concerns if we obey him by stopping and keeping the Sabbath? Similarly, the way that we handle our financial resources and how we handle our time, it reveals who we're trusting to secure our lives. Is it us or God? So the second quality. So the first one is we stop. Second thing is we find we take care of ourselves. That's the second thing we do. So number one, we stop. Number two, we take care of ourselves. What do we do to replace all that we are stopping during our Sabbath time? The simple answer is whatever delights and replenishes you, whatever puts gas in your tank, And that's going to be likely something different for everyone. It could be working out, taking a nap, going for a long walk, reading a book, playing a sport, playing a game, visiting a museum, watching a good movie, going out for dinner. I probably encourage you to avoid your computer and cell phone, but it's going to be up to you. When we take care of ourselves, we respect our humanity and the image of God and us. We are not nonstop human beings, none of us. Sadly, what I have found is abusing a weekly Sabbath often results in people experiencing panic attacks and poor health by the time they reach the age of 60, at which time rest becomes unavoidable. But it doesn't have to be this way. You can start practicing daily abiding and weekly Sabbath now and be among those who endure. Rest is so important for endurance. A third component, scriptural Sabbath, revolves around delighting in what we've been given. God, after finishing his work of creation, he proclaimed it was very good. God delighted over his creation. The Hebrew phrase communicates a sense of joy, completion, wonder, and play. So on Sabbath, we're called to enjoy and delight in creation and its gifts. We're to slow down, pay attention to our food. We're to take time to see the beauty of a tree, a leaf, a flower, the sky that God created with great care. God has given us the ability to see, hear, taste, smell, and touch so that we can take in all of his creation. So on Sabbath, God invites us to slow down and pay attention and delight also in people, part of his creation. Sabbath rest includes time to connect with others, your spouse, your children, and friends. Leave free space on your Sabbath to stop for unexpected conversation with neighbors, family, and shopkeepers. Delight in people. Enjoy a meal with friends you have found it difficult to connect with because of how busy your week has been. Final component of scriptural Sabbath is contemplating God. Pondering the love of God is a central focus on Sabbath. We feast on his presence through song, scripture, and silence. 
In a lot of ways, it's the continuation of your daily abiding from the rest of your week. So here's the four components. Four components of scriptural Sabbath are stopping, taking care of yourself, delighting, and contemplating. If you begin to practice those four things for one 24-hour period each week, you will soon find your other six days becoming infused with those same qualities. And I think that's always been God's plan. So rest involves daily abiding for spiritual rest and weekly Sabbath for physical and mental rest. Daily abiding, weekly Sabbath. That's the definition of Jesus and rest. This is part of God's plan for us to experience wholeness in life. Scriptural rest is about experiencing the shalom of God, his wholeness, so that we can live those abundant lives that Jesus came to bring us. So my encouragement would be, talk to your family today. Plan this week. How will you start to abide daily? What does that look like for you? And then talk about how and when you could start to plan for a weekly Sabbath. Because to be among those who endure to the end, we must make rest a priority in our lives. We really do. Scripture declares it, Jesus models it, and experience proves it. Our family, uh, as I was reflecting on this message, uh, we've had periods in our lives when we were good to find weekly Sabbath. Uh, We got into a good rhythm when we worked in Jerusalem. We were able to take Fridays where we would load up and head to the beach for a day. Something that kind of changed the way that we were looking at that day. And and so we were going to do that, to stop, care, delight, and contemplate. Uh, But we haven't been great to find that kind of weekly rhythm here. In fact, I mentioned to Shelly this past week that I've never preached on rest because I've been working on this message and and, uh, that this is the first message I've ever had on this topic. And her comment was, I know, and I can't wait for you to preach it because I know that you'll start to follow it. Um, She knows that my heart is, as I examine scripture and I see what God's plan is for us, that we're gonna live that out. And part of that includes rest. So one of the things that we've committed to this next year is uh, we've actually, so let me say, this has been a journey for us to start having the conversation. How do we do it? How can we start to find a weekly Sabbath for our family? And so it's taken time, but now we're starting to live that out. Again, it's, it's hard in our culture, but I think it's vital for us to live healthy and whole lives. So you might not figure it out this week or even this month, but I think it's worth talking about and beginning to plan. How can you create those two rhythms, daily abiding and weekly Sabbath? How can you do it? And as, I, as we close, I'd like you to consider this. How much better could you operate six days a week if you knew you had one for rest every week? How much more focused could your day be if you took time to abide daily, helping to deal with the important and not just the urgent? How could your family relationships improve if you took time weekly to be together in unhurried ways? I think we intuitively or maybe even divinely know we can live better lives when we're practicing scriptural rest, but it takes some intentionality to begin to experience it. So take time today. Figure out the hows and the whens of daily abiding and weekly Sabbath. You won't be sorry in figuring those things out. And then join us online again next week as we gather again and continue our Better Together series with a message on Jesus and prayer. Prayer is an important part of rest, so we'll kind of continue along those lines. Trust that you are doing well. Trust that you guys had a wonderful Christmas uh, with family and friends. We love you. Look forward to gathering in the new year. Next week, we'll be online live again at 10 a.m. So nothing in the building. We'll be online. 
And then we'll uh, look to regather in person again on January 10th. But as you depart today, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, fill you with his mercy and his peace. We trust you as you go. God bless.